it's wonderful to see how the social media presence then plays into real life, if you like, sort of the three-dimensional life of people in person. And it's amazing how many people that I do meet who have looked at what I've put out there on social media and know quite a lot about what I'm working on, where I've been. And so firstly, it's a fantastic icebreaker. But secondly, it's also a terrific way to kind of sense check. Is the message getting out there about the kinds of work that we do, the support that we provide for companies? So for me, that's a great virtuous circle to be able to talk to a brand new person who feels like they know me a little bit because they knew that I was in LA or they knew that I'm a Seahawks fan. Have you ever noticed that some of the best ideas come from unexpected places? Your next breakthrough may come from a leader facing similar challenges, but in a completely different sector. Welcome to Chief Influencer. I'm your host, Anthony Shop. Join us as we explore how today's successful leaders inspire, influence, and connect with others. Chief Influencer is a production of Social Driver and the Communications Board, who have teamed up to spotlight how great leaders and communicators are making their impact in the world. This episode is brought to you by the George Washington University's College of Professional Studies, with in-person and online programs, ranging from master's degrees in public relations strategy to certificate programs in digital communications. GW offers more than just the credentials to help working professionals get ahead, it prepares them to be leaders in their field. As a proud GW graduate myself, I can attest that faculty members combine academic rigor with real-world lessons that can't always be found in textbooks. Check out cps.gwu.edu for more information. Today, my guest is Emma Wade-Smith. She is His Majesty's Trade Commissioner for North America and Consul General in New York, representing the United Kingdom. Prior to this appointment, Emma spent nearly six years leading the UK's government Pan-African Regional Trade Investment Team as Her Majesty's Trade Commissioner for Africa. Before moving into the world of trade investment, Emma worked at the British Embassy in Washington, D.C., where I am today, as the UK's Counselor for Foreign and Security Policy. I came across Emma because um, she is a diplomat who really embraces social media. Others look at her as a, a role model as she uses these tools to get her message out. And we're going to talk about why she chooses to do that. So, uh, Emma, welcome to Chief Influencer. Thanks for being here. Thank you. It's wonderful to be with you. Well, I am really excited about this conversation because, um, you know, we believe some of the most effective leaders, they're more than chief executives or chief of mission in the case of a diplomat, they are chief influencers. They find a way to get their message out to people both on the inside and on the outside. And I'd just love to start by asking that as a, as a diplomat, can you tell us who is it that you have to influence to achieve the impact that you want to see in the world? Oh my goodness. You know, sometimes the answer to that question feels like it's everyone. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so, you know, I look across the board, um, it Thinking about as a trade commissioner, you know, I have a number of different audiences. So the first one is really the UK business community, and and it gets very hard to try to parcel that into different um, different bits. But you know, think about the entire UK business community because I'm trying to raise awareness about what we offer as the Department for Business and Trade, um, and and help more companies really embrace the opportunity to export around the world. And um, so you know, that's a massive community in its own right. 
Then I'm also looking at US and Canadian investors and you know a different set of messages for a different audience there because I'm trying to inspire them to think about the UK to invest in and you know what a great place the UK is as a as a place for their investments. And then of course it's policymakers, um, you know, decision makers across businesses, but policymakers in government because. You know, one of the key things we're trying to do is affect change in the business environment and anything that makes it you know, more laborious, more complex, more expensive, more time consuming for companies to do that trade and investment across borders are the types of things that we're trying to, to, um, to change. And so, so as I say, you know, like that feels like that's quite a lot of people. Um, and then you start to think about on my consul general role, uh, you know, the influencers and the decision makers across New York and Pennsylvania and New Jersey and Connecticut, um, you know, in business, in the world of education, and arts and culture and science and research. Um, so, so pretty much, um, as I say, the, the, the first answer was probably the quickest and the easiest, and that's the answer is everyone. So, <laughs> Well, you know, it occurs to me that there's a lot of outside events that you obviously can't control, whether that's major policy changes that have happened over the last several years in the UK or just um, events like a coronation. And I wonder, did those create opportunities for you to connect with the people you need to influence and educate them? Or maybe even sometimes they create challenges because everyone's distracted with what's on TV rather than something that's part of your agenda. Do you know, I, I always think that events are opportunities. Um, and, you know, whether those are sad events, uh, as with the case uh, when Her Majesty the Queen passed last year, um, or they're happy events like the coronation uh, this year, you know, it's always an opportunity to uh, to use the platform uh, that that event gives you um, to connect with other people. And so, for example, you know, some of those royal moments that we've had, um, and that can also include royal visitors, right? Um, you know, some of those opportunities um, are real moments to engage with senior government and policy officials that can sometimes be quite tricky to otherwise you know, get their attention and keep their attention for a while. Um, and so, so it's always an opportunity. I think that the, the issue then becomes how do you best use that opportunity in the most appropriate way? Um, and obviously, you know, the opportunity uh, the moment um, uh, for the coronation is a different moment entirely um, from a funeral, um, to take those two examples. Uh, but each one has been a really important step for for me um, and for uh, for the organisation to really uh, take our messages to a different audience. The trick then, of course, is how do you keep that audience once you've found them? Uh, and that's where the sort of day-to-day -day hard yards comes in. I love that that mindset of treating these events that we can't control as opportunities. And I think you do that so well through the platforms that you use. I want to talk about um, social media and LinkedIn in particular. I mean, it is um, very clear that you're a trailblazer when it comes to being a diplomat who uses social media, and especially, I think, using LinkedIn as a platform through your personal LinkedIn page. I have to tell you, I was just at a roundtable event recently where I was with two different embassy officials and from, from very different parts of the world, and each of their ambassadors uh, 
for different reasons, will not have personal social media accounts. They only communicate through the official uh, the official channels. So in the case of LinkedIn, they use their company page on LinkedIn rather than having an individual platform for those individual ambassadors. But you have taken a different approach. Your personal page on LinkedIn is one that is very active and you use that to show um, the business community and others and the, the various audiences you mentioned what you're doing and and you know why it's important. So I'd love to just hear how you landed on doing that because this is not common in your uh, world that that you are in in terms of diplomacy and foreign affairs and what you've learned along the way. So, you know, I'm slightly unnerved to be thought of as a trailblazer on LinkedIn. I'm now like slightly considering whether I, uh, I'm doing the right thing. Um, but, you know, it's, um, it all started for me when I became the trade commissioner for Africa. Uh, so, you know, what's that seven, eight years ago? And, and I really knew that I had this vast audience across 54 countries, as well as in the UK, you know, to try to reach with my messaging. And I figured, However many planes I jumped on, however many time zones I crossed, I would never, and frankly, however many speaking engagements I took and conferences I attended, I would never be able to get beyond a very small um, percentage of those people that I wanted to try to, to connect with. And so in looking at the different um, platforms, um, it, LinkedIn seemed a really obvious one for me because of that business uh, community that it represents. Um, and that's been uh, that's been terrific, and I've really rolled that over into the role I have now um, in North America. Um, and one of the things I really love about it is that it is so focused on the corporate world. Um, and so, you know, it's not it's not just about um, policymakers. It's a, it's also about the corporate leaders and the kinds of issues that they're facing in their companies and um, uh, with the micro and the macro um, environment that they're dealing with. So it's a terrific way for me to stay informed about what's happening, um, you know, in those companies, what, what business leaders are thinking about the achievements they celebrate, you know, some of the reports that they're working on. Um, so, so, you know, it's been terrific for keeping me informed as well as for, you know, helping me to inform others um, about, uh, about what we're up to. And how do you perceive LinkedIn now, several years later, I think you maybe said seven years um, from when you started, what lessons have you learned using it to maximize that platform? Well, you know, um, I'm an enthusiast, and so my natural instinct getting onto LinkedIn is is to sort of like so much stuff because actually there's a there's a terrific feed that comes through from uh, you know, business leaders and uh, and others, you know, um, right across the the world. And so, um, you know, I've learned over time that less can be more, um, and and my team here in particular have really helped me to appreciate that. Um, and so, you know, it's it's recognizing the power of the like, the power of the personal comment, um, and actually probably um, even more important than all of that, the importance of engaging in a conversation um, so that this isn't just a sort of megaphone moment in you know, one directional traffic. It's for me, the bits that I, I love most. So when you can see people engaging and commenting and responding. Um, so, so that for me is probably the learning I've been on. You know, don't like everything, um, be sort of quite choosy, I guess, um, and kind of use that moment wisely, um, but also to 
uh, to engage in a conversation as much as that's possible to do. I think the other thing is actually to try stuff. Um, and I think that you know LinkedIn has brought in a number of innovations over the last few years and, and its users have also innovated uh, within the platform. So, you know, uh, I try to do as much sort of video or imagery as possible because I think that's a you know an increasingly uh, effective way to get people's attention and and sort of hold it for a few seconds at least while we try to impart some knowledge. Um, and so you know uh, thinking about how we do that, how we use polling and that sort of thing to um, to really engage the audience. You know something that strikes me as you talk about you know, seeing content in the feed, liking it, joining a conversation, is that there are a number of leaders whose instinct is, yes, I should be on this platform. Let me just hand the keys to someone and have them do it for me. And I'm never going to really look at it myself. Um, But it obviously is a different, you know, animal that that when you actually are logging in and liking and, and that's been your approach. So can you talk about the importance of that? And if you had a colleague, you know, maybe a peer of yours say, oh, I'm thinking of getting on LinkedIn like you, I'm just going to have, you know, um, a person on my team just totally run it for me. I'm not going to have the app on my phone. I'm not going to look at it. Would that work? What would you say to that leader um, to encourage them to take a more hands-on approach like you have? Yeah, you know, I, I could understand why that's tempting. Uh, and I certainly know people that do that. Um, but when I right at the very start, when I first was thinking, how do I reach this extraordinary diverse audience? Um, and I was looking at LinkedIn and a very good friend of mine in South Africa said to me, look, if you're going to do this, and I think you should, um, be really na- you you want it to be natural, you want it to be authentic, um, you want to make it a conversation, you want it to be interesting. But most of all, you really want to be you, you know, you people will spot it a mile off if you are a corporate robotic voice, um, you know, sort of tripping out the, the sort of the standard um, sort of management speak that people hear sometimes. And so um, it was really important to me right from the very start that people got a sense of, of who I am and the passion and the energy that I personally bring to the role um, and to sustain that. Um, and so, uh, you know, it's really important to be involved personally. I get messages through LinkedIn all the time. You know, occasionally they'll be like, I don't know if you monitor this account yourself. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, I absolutely do. Um, because that is a really important part of, of what makes LinkedIn such a powerful platform and a vehicle for me is that it's, you know, it's not just about staying on top of the people you're already connected to. It's about meeting new people. It's about, frankly, finding out more about people that you know you're going to go and meet. Uh, so, you know, the kinds of events that you you go to as well, you know, if you know who's going to be in the room, why would you not want to find out as much as you can about them? So, you know, it can really help with those icebreakers for people who are networking in person. It can help with follow-up. Um, you know, the personal messaging thing has been amazing and has helped me so many times when, you know, uh, I've had a call from a minister you said, do we know somebody in this company? And I'm like, mm, possibly. And so you go into LinkedIn and you realize that, you know, either you're directly connected to somebody who can take you to the who you need, um, or you can you, you find your way. Um, and so it's an amazingly powerful network. Um, all of that said, I mean, I have to recognize that this is also a team effort. And so, you know, I simply don't have the time or the 
the skills, frankly, um, to produce all the content that goes up onto my posts. Um, and so, you know, the content producers and the the marketing and the comms team that I have here are brilliant. Um, and, you know, we brainstorm all the time. You know, what are the issues? Uh, how do we best get those messages across? What kind of visuals? What kind of imagery? What kind of re- recordings do we want to do? You know, how do we keep innovating and adapting? to keep things fresh and uh, to kind of keep the audience interested. Um, and so, you know, the team here are an amazing help to, to enable me to do more than simply, uh, you know, say in direct prose, I've been here and I've done that, or I think about this. So, uh, so it, it's, yeah, but I do think that that personal involvement really matters and helps shape and frame the look and feel of, of what's coming out there. I love that. I mean, I think the personal involvement, but acknowledging that you have a very busy <laughs> role. In fact, you have two of them. And so you can't spend all of your time being a social media manager on your LinkedIn account. And so finding that that balance. And I guess I wonder if a leader is thinking about getting more active or having a presence on social media and says, you know, I'm going to do this. Yeah, I want to be involved. I'm really busy. I need to work with my team. Now that you've been doing this and working with a team to learn your voice and to you know brainstorm the type of content. What lessons would you share um, about how a leader can build that rapport? Because it, it strikes me, it sounds like you know from from you and from talking to your team, you do have a really great rapport about how you work together on that, and it's not a um, it's not a chore. You know, it's that you found something <laughs> that works and that you enjoy working together on it. Yeah, I think you know it's it's like with all teamwork, isn't it? That um, you know I might have. Uh, what I think are some amazing ideas and the team are like, that just doesn't work. Um, but also, you know, be careful because, because you know, I rely on them for their expertise and their knowledge about, you know, when the audience is most likely to engage. Because I don't do it just because I can say at the end of every month, oh, I posted 45 um, posts. I do it because we're trying to shift the dial. We're trying to influence people and raise awareness. Um, and so I think, uh, you know, it really is around, you know, uh, we're all sort of out there hearing what other people are doing, watching what's what's working on that channel, what's working on other channels that we might be able to bring into LinkedIn, um, and and finding different different there's different tweaks to the approach um, and finding those all important hooks that we talked about earlier, those moments. Um, to add an extra something to the message. Um, and so, so for example, we did um, a wonderful collaboration with Aston Martin last summer, um, just before I went off on um, some annual leave, um, but on the back of having done a whole load of, of trips across Canada and the US. And so we wanted to try to find a way to um, sort of bring all of that together and say, hey, you know, like this has been a phenomenal sort of you know extended road trip really around North America. Um, so we did some great sort of shots in the Aston Martin, which is a beautiful car by the way. Um, and uh, and sort of used that as a fun way to get into, you know, the the miles I'm traveling um in order to to kind of take this message and really promote the UK um here in, in Canada and the US. So you know it's it's also about having some fun. Um, and uh, and I think you know uh, I'm I'm blessed with uh, having a really creative team around me. So um, you know, that helps. And we all sort of inspire each other to, to think about how we continue to evolve this uh, this presence. You know, the fun piece is so important. And something I've heard from a lot of leaders is that there are things that you can do through your personal brand and a platform like LinkedIn that 
wouldn't necessarily be appropriate to come from the corporate brand, but that makes sense to come from a personal brand and you can experiment and have more fun. And I wonder if that's something that you've experienced, something that makes sense and is totally appropriate when it comes from Emma, but that just wouldn't make sense coming from you know the corporate account. Yeah. Um, and actually, I think we do a really good job here of, of um, integrating and intertwining the corporate accounts and personal accounts, um, both as trade commissioner and then as consul general as well. And, and I tend to use Twitter a little bit more for the consul general work um, for, for um, all sorts of um, good reasons. Um, but, uh, but being able to work across platforms and share between personal and corporate accounts can also work really effectively. I mean, to your point, um, uh, I didn't use LinkedIn for this because I was I was sort of presenting myself as the consul general before the coronation. But uh, um, the night before the coronation earlier this year, um, I took a photograph with my husband uh, in our Union Jack onesies, mm-hmm. and we were we were sort of posed with a cup of Yorkshire tea in a in a grommet mug. Uh, that I'd been presented by Ardman Productions. And uh, my husband was there with a glass of English sparkling wine. And uh, we had Sean the Sheep sort of you know, watching over us. Um, and, uh, and we took this snap and said, you know, really excited for the coronation tomorrow. Now, that doesn't feel, that feels quite a personal, fun thing to do. So we put that out on my personal account. Um, but it felt also felt really great for then the corporate account to like that and retweet it um, and, and you know, kind of pick it up from there. I think to put something like that out on the official account would have been I don't, just not quite so appropriate, but it was a it was a fun way to to kind of link the accounts. Uh, so we're always thinking about you know what is the right vehicle and the right platform for the right kinds of message. I love that. I love that example. It was I saw it. It was so fun, and I think you know it brings that human element into the exactly into the world. And I think you know it it um, was the moment of probably my finest moment on Twitter so far, um, where that tweet was liked by Sean the Sheep himself. So, <laughs> oh, hey. uh, you know, I was like, I have arrived on this platform. <laughs> That's great. So we were we were talking a lot about LinkedIn. You brought up Twitter, and I wonder if you could talk a little bit about what goes through your mind as a leader when you're thinking, okay, does this belong on LinkedIn? Does this belong on Twitter? Does this belong on both? Um, how do you treat those different? platforms? I think one of the things I like most about LinkedIn is that the content has a longer shelf life. And uh, yeah, because partly because of the type of things we're talking about, you know, uh, why the UK is a great place to invest and how the UK has, you know, an enormous number of unicorns, you know, all of that good stuff. Um, and so that the longevity of that um, is really helpful. So LinkedIn can be great. And and also we're often you know, referencing bigger reports that come out. And so it's, you know, just sort of feels like that's a sort of substantive, um, longer lasting message. Um, uh, and that's why I think it works so well for me on as a trade commissioner. Um, a lot of a lot more of the stuff I do with my consul general hat on feels more appropriate for Twitter because it feels a bit more sort of uh, in the moment, a bit more newsy, sort of a shorter shelf life, a bit more um, kind of immediate. Um, and, you know, it will come and it will go. Um, and that feels much more the rhythm for Twitter. Um, and uh, and that, that seems to be working pretty well for us. That's great. You mentioned earlier, you said, you know, you, you have a role of, you know, to influence people. That's part of, of um, what you're trying to do. And I just wonder if you can think of any 
again, putting you on the spot here, but any examples with any platform, but LinkedIn in particular, where maybe you've seen a comment from a certain person or a share or a certain reaction where you've kind of gone, ah, yeah, this we've achieved that goal of influence in a way that if something is, um, you know, in a newspaper, you don't necessarily get that feedback to know who read that specific article. <laughs> I just wonder if, there, if you've if you've gotten that type of feedback loop before that reemphasizes the power of doing this. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it happens fairly regularly, to be honest. Um, uh, but I'll sort of take you back. Like one of my first experiences of that actually was uh, was back in my previous role in Africa, and we did the first UK Africa Investment Summit uh, back in twenty. Uh, when was it now? Twenty twenty. It must have been. Um, so just before the pandemic started, uh, sadly, but you know, we sort of did all of this, um, uh, sort of did a whole bunch of, of, of LinkedIn uh, activity in the build up to the investment summit uh, during the summit, and then a lot of material that we gathered um, in the summit itself. And the reaction to that was just off the charts. I mean, people were sort of, you know, open mouthed, like, how many people saw that? How many people liked it? That's extraordinary. Um, and I think you know, the team, team helped me with understanding the impact that each of the posts have and how much engagement they get. Um, and I think one of the things that keeps me so passionate and really helps the team feel energized about it is um, just how much um, uh engagement we get how many uh, how many people sort of look at the stuff that i'm posting and and it kind of forms some sort of connection to it and um you know they tell me that it's you know consistently well above the average for certainly our department and and the kinds of things that that we put out there um so that's i mean that's really exciting i think um and helps to keep us uh, really motivated to continue to sort of innovate and try things that's great you mentioned earlier, you know, there's only so many people, you know, pl planes you can get on and hands that you can shake and events you can speak at. Um, one of the things that strikes me as a, as a government representative, you know, you, you have to stay on message, obviously. And if you're speaking at an event, you can have a script and read it. And hey, the people in the room are, are there and, you know, you don't have to do a song and dance to keep them in the room. But when you're using technology, it's so easy for someone to quickly scroll by and not pay attention to something. And, and if, if it's all just official messaging and if it's dry, you know, it's difficult. And so I, I would assume that with a government role, it's probably even more challenging um, to stay on message than, you know, maybe someone who works for a small company or a nonprofit or something like that. How have you found the, the balance between staying on message and the importance of that, but also being authentic and um, creating content that is going to resonate with people and, you know, even be entertaining in some cases. Yeah, I think that's that. That's probably one of the, the tightropes that put off a number of diplomats. Um, not so much from the UK, actually, because I think we've had a really uh, open, forward-leaning approach to using social media, and that's worked so well for, for so many of my colleagues as well. Um, but I like to think that you know, the passion that I personally feel for the work that I do and my personal enjoyment of it comes through in the way I talk about things, the way that I try to you know, lead up to uh, important messages, the way that I try to engage. Um, 
because you know I, I genuinely think that the work we do is is really terrific and really helps to change people's lives. Uh, and I'm also really conscious that I've got an amazing team all around me, not just those that help on the social media stuff, but you know, all of my trade and investment officers across Canada and the US, you know, we all believe really passionately in what we do. And so that also really compels me to be thinking, you know, how do I get that passion across? How do I get the energy across to really try to, you know, amplify the impact of, of all of their work? Um, which frankly is a lot of lot of what I'm trying to do, right? It's not all my work, it's all of their work. Um, but I also recognize that you know, there are some times when you know things aren't quite going as uh, as you might like. Um, maybe there are some things that um you know you think are less helpful um for the work that we do. I think for me, one of the things I like about LinkedIn is that it tends to be a really positive reinforcing platform. Uh, and so I try very hard to stay on that positive route and make sure that, you know, we're emphasizing the the amazing things that people and companies are doing all the time. Because even during the most challenging moments, there are companies out there that are creating phenomenal products and services like, to bring to their customers. There are amazing investments that are transforming people's lives. And, and so there's always something positive that you can point to, um, you know, something that's going well uh, that you can say, hey, I, I can stick with it. Uh, so for me, I think um, it's really important to stay positive. I'm also really conscious that, you know, there's a lot of negativity around um, around the world, actually, and the power of those negative emotions to drag people down. Uh, and so, in my own little way, I'm trying to, you know, show the show that that there are you know, really amazing things happening, and people do extraordinary things all the time. So, the more we can talk about that and the opportunities available for people to be able to flourish, I think the better. Yeah, and you know that not only works better because people are happy to celebrate things and to be inspired. It feels better too, doesn't it? When you're, um, you know, elevating all those positive stories. So it's kind of nice when it is a, has a dual effect of working better and feeling better at the same time. Yeah. And I, one of the things I've really loved actually about LinkedIn over the last few months, we have um, taken the initiative to welcome new arrivals uh, into the team. And so to you know, put something out on LinkedIn to say, you know, congratulations to this person. They've joined our team. We're so excited to have them. And here's a little bit of information about who they are and you know, what skills and experience they bring and why we're so pleased to have them in the team. Uh, and the, the response to that has also been really heartwarming. Um, and I think it speaks to the power of LinkedIn because you know, it's, it, of course, it's about staying up to date. It's about figuring out you know, who people are and connecting with people. It's also a terrific way to just stay on top of like, where are people? Like, where are they working now? And wow, somebody's just, you know, got a, a, a an award or somebody's just graduated or, you know, all of those, all of those fantastic life milestones and moments um, that, that help to make every single one of us the interesting people that we are. Well, it's all about, I think, this idea with a platform like LinkedIn starting at the center. You know, if you don't have champions on the inside, how are you going to have any champions on the outside? And so when an American gets hired to work for your team and you celebrate that and all of their friends and family see and go, wait, what is this job? What does that mean? Why are you doing that? 
you're you're achieving your mission by celebrating them because all of those folks are learning that. And I think that that's that's a pretty cool um, way to build that championship on the inside. Absolutely. Yeah. I want to ask you um, where you get inspiration outside of the diplomatic community, because I think some of the best ideas sometimes come from unexpected places, not our direct peers, but other groups that we interact with. And I'm just wondering if you can think of places that you found inspiration outside of the world of diplomacy. Oh, all the time. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think uh, I have the most amazing diplomatic colleagues, um, uh, including uh, my deputy consul general here in New York, who is uh, is also a fiend uh, on Instagram and Twitter. And, and uh, you know, between us, we're always thinking about new ways to to you know, take take the the word of the you know, British uh, British consulate general in New York out to new people here. Um, but I do think that it's important to get those voices and those ideas and inspirations from outside. And I think for me, you know, it's uh, I have I've copied shamelessly from friends and and strangers, frankly, um, who are doing great things who I think, oh, I really enjoyed that. I thought that was terrific. The setup of it, the idea of it, the way it engaged the audience. So, you know, I will, um, I will, you know, this is a, a note of, a, of warning to everybody. I mean, if I, I see something I like, I will shamelessly borrow it and adapt it for, uh, for my own channels. Well, and I think it goes to the importance of if you're going to use a channel, a platform, using the lingo and learning about it yourself. And if you just hand the keys to someone and you're not spending time on it, you're not going to find that inspiration. But the fact that, um, you know, you are also taking a personal interest and paying attention to LinkedIn and to Twitter and these platforms, you get these ideas that you can then learn from and adapt and innovate on. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, But I said, you know, Dinner conversations, a quick snatch chat over coffee. Um, you know, there were all opportunities to learn about, you know, what's having an impact and and actually how are these platforms evolving? Um, you know, what are some of the new capabilities that are coming through and and how do you kind of use those in different ways to, you know, it's all about engaging the audience to have that impact. Yeah. I wanted to close by asking you about um something I think we're all seeing that is there's more of an overlap than ever between our personal brand and our professional brand and that sort of you know gray area our personal networks and our professional networks as well and i wonder if you could just talk about how you've navigated that because i think that um can be a really tricky thing for leaders particularly leaders who are you know visible yeah i think for me i've always been very conscious that it's these are it's it's a, these are personal accounts um but i've wanted to to sort of plow them through a professional lens. Um, and so, you know, when I first went on Twitter, I was thinking, oh, how do I get my the number of followers up quickly? And I was like, I know, I'm going to uh, put some videos on about my dogs or something, because that seems to be all the rage. So I, I tried it and I just thought, this is not me. Like, I mean, it's me, but it's not what I want to be talking about on social media. That's not how I see the value of it. Um, and so, you know, I don't really... Talk about my breakfast. Um, you won't. You'll rarely see me talk about the holiday I'm on and things like that, um, because I want to use it to get out some substantive messages to the audience. Um, so uh, that said, I do try to give it a bit of a personal flavour. So I mentioned, um, you know, the the sort of the Aston Martin um, 
collaboration that we did and the you know, the onesie and stuff for the coronation. Um, I'll also do stuff around, you know, I'm a Seahawks fan. So, um, you know, I can be tempted every now and then to uh, to come and talk about how the Seahawks are doing. Um, but And I think that that's important, right, to give that authenticity and that natural sense of somebody genuinely engaging and being personable and and real um on on the platform whatever platform you're choosing um and so so that has been a conscious decision um uh, but really to focus in on the substance um rather than get too fixated um on uh, uh you know my social life um that said i mean i've seen uh, other of my diplomatic colleagues absolutely smash it by talking about football um the soccer kind of football um but uh you know that's and and that has been really terrific for them and also been amazing to create a following uh, where they are uh, that then enables them to reach audiences with more substantive um, issues. So, you know, there's no right or wrong about this. Uh, it's just felt very natural and, and the right approach for me with what I'm comfortable with. You know, I think that figuring out what works for you is so important, isn't it? It takes a little bit of experimentation because for, for different people, you know, we all have our own interests and our own personal brands and, you know, th- those things um, are going to vary. But I love the example of the Seahawks and American football because, you know, if if it's not authentic and you don't really care about it, it just seems like those things feel like folks are trying too hard and they fall flat. But in your case, um, you know, you became a Seahawk man, you, you like football, and so it does come through. And that's, you know, unique is not uh, all Brits understand American football the way that Americans do. They might be more soccer fans. And so it's it's kind of a unique um, angle, I think, for, for you to present yourself to this audience that you're trying to reach about the business opportunities and all the great work you're doing. I think as well um, that it's it's wonderful to see how the social media presence then plays into into real life, if you like, sort of the three dimensional life of people in person. Um, and it's amazing how many people that I do meet who have looked at what I've put out there on social media and 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 know quite a lot about what I'm working on, where I've been. And so, you know, firstly, it's a fantastic icebreaker, but secondly, you know, that's it's also a terrific way to uh, to. To kind of sense check is the message getting out there about the kinds of work that we do, the support that we provide for companies, um, and so so for me that's a great virtuous circle to be able to kind of you know, talk to a brand new person says who feels like they know me a little bit because they knew that I was in LA or they knew that I um, that I'm a Seahawks fan. You know that's such a, a great point and a great point for us to close on. We started this conversation and you mentioned how great social media can be um, to do research and see mutual connections and um, learn something about someone to prepare. But at the same time, as you put that out into the world and you connect with people, if they've used that information to prepare for you, it can be a great icebreaker. And actually the digital relationships, even if you're not connected before the meeting, that that ability to see what you're saying and do research can allow you to connect uh, more quickly, more deeply, more authentically in real life, which is what it's all about, isn't it? Absolutely, 100%. Well, this has been such a great conversation. I think it's such a um, an inspiration for so many leaders to see someone like you as a trailblazer who's taking an active interest, a personal interest in building your brand through platforms like LinkedIn, 
working with a team who you were, you know, great to acknowledge, but also um, really leading that by example. And so I just want to say thank you for being with us today, Emma. And uh, we look forward to following you on LinkedIn, on Twitter, and seeing uh, where in the world you may end up next after this tour of duty. Thank you. I've so enjoyed the conversation. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Chief Influencer, a production of Social Driver and the Communications Board. If you know a leader who should be featured as a chief influencer, please nominate them at chiefinfluencer.org. For show notes and more, visit us at chiefinfluencer.org or follow Chief Influencer on LinkedIn. Until next time, 